Welcome to another episode of Sunday's Strays, a house sitter's tales. This week I'm going to tell you a dog's tale, not the kind you wag. And as all my podcasts are marked as clean, we'll be using a euphemism for a doggy body part. More than one sort of plumbing is referenced today. I've also included a bit of outdoor recording, as that's usually where you'll find me. I have low tolerance for crowds and traffic, so it's on my bike or shoving my feet into hiking boots. As the saying goes, got to get out of this place. And as I'm planning a soiree to the west coast next winter, need to get the hang of recording on the move. There will be a solid three months of touring, house-sitting, soaking up the Ningaloo Reef vibes. But first, let's talk about a dog. One of my early formal house sits was in southeast Queensland. It was on a well-maintained rural property, just a large indoor-outdoor dog to keep me company, and a half-dozen chickens out the back. As discussed in the previous episode, both rainwater and river water were used for household and irrigation. With hindsight, not sure why I went ahead and booked this house sit, my intuition said don't do it from the first phone call. The homeowner had told me they had a regular house sitter, but she was an anti-vaxxer. They decided not to ask her back. I didn't probe that further, as it seemed reasonable to me. I have a, I have a police clearance and first aid, and vaxxed against all the usual things, including our most recent foe, COVID. She also asked me if I minded the dog lounging on the couch. I said, it's your furniture, as long as there's somewhere for me to sit. Turns out there were two large lounges, both covered in throw rugs. But as soon as I sat down, the dog wanted to be as close as he could be. At the time I made that booking, I was in South Australia. But you know, it was early days. I was trying to build a profile and it looked like a nice house sit. They had plenty of room for the caravan. I was assured the dog was friendly and lazy and he was all that. Not your typical farm dog. After completing a house sit in the Barossa Valley, I had a gentle drive back up north. It had been raining heavily in Queensland, then eased off a bit, still raining on and off. The whole state was still waterlogged. The rural landowners intended to go camping, to be safe on four wheels instead of their usual two. I arrived on the morning of their departure, backed the caravan into a flat grassy spot below the house and was introduced to the big dog. Super easy going. I knew we'd get on well. Then I met the other big dog who lived next door. I think the dogs were related as they had the same face, but different colouring. I was told the dog from the neighbouring property was a constant fixture over here, and that he was. But he knew better than to try and get into the house. Just made it difficult to give my dog his treats. Other dog was always on the lookout for free food. 
He'd stand at the back door, peering through the screen, hopeful. Big dog number two also had no manners. I was sitting at the back one day solving a puzzle. My dog was asleep nearby. The other dog sauntered onto the patio, sniffed a large potted plant and lifted his leg. I sent him packing, then hosed off the plant and the pavers. One day I got home from an outing and my dog was not lying in his usual place, which was on a couch on the patio. He was around the side of the house on the pavers, looking decidedly unhappy and no sign of his friend from next door. I found some brown spots near the table and panicked, thinking it was blood, then went in urgent search of the chooks. I could only find five chooks, so by then was having palpitations. Now, free-range chooks during the day have favourite hidey holes. When dusk rolled around, chook number six wandered over to the coop. Naughty girl, she'd been hiding somewhere shady. I later realised the spots on the cement were probably paint. Not my doing, just relieved I still had my full contingent of hens. Back to my arrival, the hosts were packing the car. Walking in and out of the house, I was unpacking my stuff and taking it into the house. We were all in the carport at the same time when the dog arched its back. His legs were shaking. He was stuck to the spot. The lady homeowner, who was a retired nurse, said, I'm glad that happened before we left. I can show you what to do. She told me the dog, who was getting on in years, sometimes suffered from engorged plumbing and he needed human intervention to put it right. Then she reached down, grabbed the dog's underpart and rubbed it briskly. Let's just say that everything relaxed. The dog wandered off. Seems he appreciated the therapy. A week into my house sit, the dog and I were in the lounge room. He was standing up, then he froze on the spot and started to quiver all over, then looked at me pleadingly. I knew just what to do. I reached for his underparts and soon had him on his way. On my arrival at the property, I was told to keep the front gate locked and there was a padlock on it. That's the usual deal on rural blocks. Stuff gets stolen. I said no problems and asked if the dog was good security. The host told me he was useless as a guard dog. Remember those words, useless. The dog usually came inside at night after his dinner and a wee break, then made himself comfy on his blanket. In those early days, I agreed to dogs on furniture, if that's what the owner wanted. No longer though, dogs don't need to sit on human chairs and it makes it harder for me to keep the place clean. So, no more couch potato canines. One night the dog was down by the carport and didn't come up when I called him. The next morning I checked my dash cam as my car was facing down the long driveway. I could clearly see the dog standing stock still in front of my car at the top of the driveway, looking down towards the gate. 
He appeared to be acting like a dog, a guard dog, no less. A week after I arrived, I drove up the Sunshine Coast. It was a muddy car rally, after all that rain, though I recall it was dry as we hurtled around the dirt tracks on four wheels. I was the driver for four lady eventers. My four-wheel drive was covered in mud, inside and out. I'd supplied puppy pads for inside the car, for dirty feet, small bin bags and snacks. But in the rush to acquire bonus points, people were falling in and out of doors at every stop. At one waypoint, we almost left behind a backseat player. She was still out of the car when I hit the gas. If she's listening, you know who you are. Not much thought was given by me or anyone else to mud. We were all covered in it anyway. I even had to clean the number plates before driving back to the property. The homeowner had told me to use the river water for car washing. So the next day, I pulled out the hose near the front fence, drove the car down to the gate and turned on the rusty valve for the river water. It broke. Ah, no clean car happening today. I backed the car up the driveway and messaged the homeowner. I received a reply saying she couldn't get her regular plumber to come out, but had booked another local guy for the following day. Seems they'd used him before for a plumbing job, and he had time to fix the valve. Meanwhile, the mud on the car was setting like concrete. In the morning, the dog and I wandered down to the fence. I unlocked the gate just as the plumber pulled up in his ute. He seemed pretty friendly. He had a look at the valve and said he could rig up a fix. It took around half an hour or so. We chatted a little bit about taps and water, but mostly the dog and I just watched him work. He went back and forth to the ute, which was parked outside the gate, to grab tools and parts. The next door dog appeared up at the carport, some 50 metres away. He barked, asking my dog to come down and play. And to my surprise, was ignored. My dog didn't even turn around. That dog was not leaving my side for anything. When the job was complete, the plumber said he'd invoice the owner. Then the work done. He seemed to take more of an interest in me, asking things like, was I alone on the property? When were the owners coming back? It got a little bit personal. My replies were definitely guarded, dismissive. I'll talk to anyone, and I do, but there are boundaries. The dog had wooden stood in one spot watching with interest the entire time. Now things got even more interesting as he was picking up on my unease and that it was out of character for me. I'm usually more relaxed. The dog turned his full attention towards the plumber and moved slightly in his direction. The guy noticed and started to shuffle backwards towards the open gate. The dog stared him down. Well, Plumber Doo was out of that gate and had pulled it shut behind him. Then he got into his ute, turned it around and left. 
I walked over and paddled up the gate. Earlier he'd said he may have to come back with another fitting. I never saw him again. I tell you, that dog had my back. More than many humans I have met, and the plumber knew it. I got to work washing the mud off the car. By then most of it had dried, and the inside also had to be cleaned. The entire operation took around three hours. The dog lay in the shade and happily watched me work. And when his friend from next door came back, he trotted up the driveway to play. In the late afternoon, we would walk the mowed paths through the back of the property, sometimes just us, sometimes with next door dog also. I quickly learned not to walk past a small weedy dam on the way back to the house yard. My dog would be walking along in front of me, just soaking up the smells all around him. Then we'd come into view of the little dam and he'd shoot off at an elderly arthritic run and launch himself into the water, disappearing briefly under his own weight before bobbing up to the surface. That had to be followed up with a quick rinse and towel when we got back to base. It happened a few times, as I wasn't always thinking about which path to take. The homeowners had mowed wide paths in random patterns across the back paddocks, and it was a lovely afternoon walk. Usually I was lost in my own thoughts. However, my spidey senses were right about that house sit. The owners came back a week early. The reason was poor health and the weather. I also think one of them missed her dog. By then I'd moved the caravan off the property as I wanted to get it ready to sell and was fortunate to pick up a week in another location looking after an elderly cat. The rain continued, here, there, everywhere and I was trying to dry clean clothes under the house and on rare dry spells heading out to explore. On my last morning I drove out of town just barely before the road to Ipswich was closed due to flooding. Often on the road, the only thing I miss is a sense of community. But as I've made many friends along the way, and rather than having a pet, have a swag of foster fur kids up and down the coast, and know a lot more about gardening, I've had time to complete several sh short courses online, including how to prepare and preserve herbs, write a book, visit family and friends, and learn to live lightly on this earth. People think they need stuff and more stuff, lots of stuff. It's merely clutter for our homes and our minds. I do have stuff in a small storage shed, but no longer own any furniture. Living with less has helped me to relax. I feel better knowing there is less to worry about, fewer bills to pay. There was a time when I owned 13 pairs of boots. Okay, that included ski boots and hiking boots, but mostly, well, just boots. And it's not like I could wear them all at once. Boots that had to be cleaned because dust gets everywhere. See what I mean? Less is definitely more. This afternoon, like most this summer, I'll be relaxing in the pool. But I want to finish off with an anecdote from a house sit. It also involves dogs, and sadly a little dog that's time had come. I'd arrived several nights before the homeowner left, 
We got along really well and have kept in touch. In fact, there were other former house sitters camped on the property. We sat around that evening and swapped stories. I'm interested in what other house sitters have to say. In the morning, the travellers took off in the motorhome. It was a long, hot week and the little dog deteriorated. I drove his owner to the vets and the news was bad. Then the vet came out to the property a couple of days later. A neighbour had come in with a bobcat and dug out soil. We were prepared. The little pooch was put to rest under a flowing tree. His owner said she would get a plaque made up. The next day, after doing some work online, she packed a car to leave. As we walked out of the driveway, she noticed how long the grass in the house yard was getting and turned back, saying she'd better mow it. She had a couple of hours to drive in the heat with a younger dog in the car, so I insisted she be on her way. I was looking after the cats and farm animals in her absence. As the shadows crept down the hill in the late afternoon, I poured a glass of wine, added some ice, watered the gardens, watered and fed the animals. It started to cool off a bit outside and a nice breeze was rolling in. So I grabbed my water bottle and backed the zero-turn mower out of the carport and zipped around the yard, did a ride on limbo under a rope barrier that kept the horses out of the flower beds, flew up and down the slope behind the house, practised my groovy turns and avoided knocking out the garden solar lights, as another house sitter had done. Then parked the mower and kicked back with the cats, a brilliant sunset and another glass of wine. It had been a long, gruelling week for us all and sometimes the simplest pleasures are the ones we remember the most. This episode finishes off with a recording made out on the bike, getting some exercise, breathing in the fresh air and just being out there in the world. Skip it if you prefer the clean audio, though it's only a couple of minutes. Okay, it's an exercise day, which started with yoga on the Headspace app and some stretches and then some kettleball. I've just completed the green section, which is mostly single track at Mount Annan Botanic Gardens. Uh, it's probably the first time I've seen a family friendly track with a section marked with skull and crossbones. It was a bit gnarly and there was quite a bit of up and a lot of tight turns. So the e-bike doesn't handle the tight turns as well as my mountain bike does. Um, but anyway, I stayed upright and now I'm off exploring the rest of the gardens on the bike just to get in a few more clicks before I pack it in and have a coffee. Catch you later. If you enjoyed listening to my ramblings, please hit the follow button. It will help you find future episodes. My content is released weekly on Thursday afternoon in quick bites of roughly 20 minutes. Occasionally there may be bonus content on a specific topic, but you can listen to episodes in any order. These are my stories, though I will sometimes talk to other house sitters and homeowners about their experiences. And I use noise reduction software, 
but the audio may, rec- may be recorded anywhere on my travels. At the moment, my recordings are made in an urban setting. Early in the new year, I'll be back out amongst the gum trees. So, if you're a fellow traveller, a virtual traveller, or merely curious about different lifestyles, again, thank you for listening. See you next Thursday. And happy trails wherever you may stray.